Well, all right, a new beginning. Who wouldn't want one of those every now and then? In fact, I think sometimes all of us do. We love a new beginning, a fresh start, um, new direction, uh, being able to say, you know what, Let, let's start with a clean slate in this direction and hope that it's better this time than it was last time, or let's make some improvements. And, and that can happen in all kinds of areas of life, from relationships to finances to physical health, mental health, whatever that looks like. So often we want a new beginning, but here's the thing, and this is what we're talking about in this series um, those external things don't really come, or they come and they don't last without an internal change. Something on a deeper level about us needs to change if we really want things about our life to change. So how do we get a new beginning, that, that something that happens deeper? What kind of things do we need on a personal kind of deep work level that allow the rest of our lives to flourish? That's what we're talking about in this series. So last week we started by talking about having a new heart, that core of who we are uh, that, that the thing, that, that, like that deep part of us, this idea in scripture says, you know, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. That we need a new heart. And the Christian conviction, the hope is that, that that's what Jesus offers. He offers a, a new heart, a completely transformed life. He wants to give you a new heart. Uh, and that'll look like a heart that is hearing from him, prioritizing him, and connected to him and and then when and when that happens when that heart comes we're filled up with this abundant life this living water and it's incredible so that was last week you missed that you can check it out um, still on the YouTube channel on the website different places like that today I want to I want to shift our attention to the idea of having a new mind having a new mind renewing our minds our thoughts our thought patterns the way that we think and not just like the the uh, intentional things that we think, but even like kind of like the subconscious, just neural pathway, automatic responses, uh, you know, when the things that like pop into your head and you don't even, you don't even mean to, the, the instant reactions and thoughts you have about people and situations, um, the, the, the thoughts that kind of consume you or where your mind drifts off to, how do we change those? Because our minds, they're like the computer, they're the CPU of our lives. Uh, all of the decisions that we make, runs through our minds, the relationships, the conversations, the words, like, the, like everything we do runs through our minds, um, and the, so that can be good or that can be bad. Uh, our minds end up being how we perceive the world. It's the lens through which we see things. So all the things that we create, all the work that we do, it all starts with the thoughts that we have, and sometimes those thoughts aren't so good. I mean, consider what so many of our minds are currently uh, defaulted to, what, what our thoughts are, um, the lens that we're currently looking at the world and how that's playing out. I mean, how do we process and think through things right now? We think through things and process things in minds full of anger and hatred, that everything is us versus them, and they are terrible, and they are what's wrong with the world, um, and, and whoever they is. It can be anybody for any number of different people, but it's just, I'm just angry all the time. Um, it, thoughts of cynicism, just always finding the worst in every, every situation, always finding the worst in people, can never assign a good motive, can never find like any kind of a positive uh, minds and thoughts of cynicism, thoughts and minds of um, kind of just conspiracy of I will believe anything as long as it supports my preconceived notions of how the world works or a particular agenda. Um, thoughts that are full of fear and worry and anxiety. This is so prevalent among so many of us today that my thoughts are constantly just full of, well, what if, what if, what if? And I'm playing through like the worst possible scenario in my mind. Thoughts of, uh, that, are, that are driven by arrogance, right? 
I am the smartest person ever. I know everything and I have nothing to learn. Thoughts of just extremism on all kinds of topics and issues of fully embracing a narrative or worldview in our current culture. It's usually a political one. Just fully embracing something because, you know, that's my side. So I won't think. I won't be rational. I won't, like, I will just, I will buy it hook, line, and sinker. I will buy it completely. I'm just going to regurgitate talking points I will just regurgitate the progressive talking points or the conservative talking points. And I'm not even going to think for myself, like so many of our minds are locked into that right now. Uh, minds of self-centeredness and pleasure where, where everything's just about, well, well, if this isn't fun, I don't want to do it. If this doesn't feel good, I don't want to do it. How can, I just, how can I just seek out the most pleasure and enjoyment in life and just forget about everything else? Minds of, of vanity, of platform right now. How many subscribers do I have? And can I go viral? And what's trending? Can I make a video of what's trending? And, and there's just this kind of sickness where everyone thinks they need to be heard and needs to be seen when so few people actually have anything to really say. Okay, so like we see th these are where, this, these are kind of the things that are shaping our thought life, shaping our mind. And there may be more, but those were some of the most prevalent ones that I could think of. And because in our minds originates pretty much everything with our lives, that affects everything we do. We need a renewing of our minds, and that is possible. Our minds are like a muscle, a muscle that gets worked, and it can be strengthened, it can be trained, it can be made more effective. I love, I love, love, love what the Apostle Paul says. He writes a letter to the church in Rome, and he says this. He says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you may be able to discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He says, don't be conformed. Don't be molded. Don't be like crammed into, um, conformed to this age. That idea of this age, it's just, it's the idea of, well, look around at how the world works. And look at how jacked up everything is. And it's, it are, it, it, it's, it's those thought patterns that I just mentioned. It's, it's abuses of power and it's greed and it's violence and it's, it's every man for himself. It's like that way, like we know how the world operates. He says, don't be shaped into that, but be transformed. And he says the way that you're transformed is it's, it's actually by having your mind renewed, by changing the way that you think. Sometimes in like faith conversations, it's easy to think that transformation um, is always like something that happens like on a spiritual level and you can't quite pin it down. And there is certainly a spiritual component. But Paul's like, no, no, no. One of the places this starts is by changing the way that you think, by renewing your mind, by renewing your mind. One of the primary ways that we renew our minds is through Scripture. So that's where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about renewing our minds through meditating on Scripture. Um, there's several passages that we could go to for this. I just want to look at a couple. Um, Second Timothy says this. Second Timothy, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy says that all Scripture um, is inspired by God and not only is it inspired, because sometimes we're like, yes, it's inspired, it's the word of God. But Paul's like, oh, it's practical too. It's not only inspired by God, but it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching. Some translations say useful. It's profitable or useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That, that meditating on scripture is useful, and it, may, it equips you for life is essentially what Paul is saying here. It equips you, if you're a follower of Jesus, it equips you to follow him. 
Or the psalmist says this in Psalm 1. He says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction. Or some translations say in the law of God, the law of the Lord. Like that his delight, it's just not just like, huh, but it's like, man, I am delighted by God's word, by the law, by the instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. That person that meditates, he says, he's like a tree planted beside flowing streams. It bears its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. So there's this idea, again, it's like it's useful when we meditate on scripture, um, something happens where it's like there's, there's an outcome, there's an output in my life in the way that I think, the things that flow out of me, the way that I live, uh, that it, there's a prospering, there's a success, there is a, a bearing of fruit in life. He says meditate. Intentionally, we're going to talk about the idea of meditating, not just reading. Because one, that's the, that's the terminology that Scripture itself uses. But meditating is, is about, it's about processing. It's about digesting. It's not just about reading the actual words that are on the page or on the screen. It's about letting them read me um, and, and letting them work on me and kind of turning them over in my mind and thinking them over and over and over. Meditating on Scripture. When we do that, our lives are transformed. When we do that, our minds, the, the things that we think about change because we're changing an input. We're changing what we put into our minds. And anytime you want to change an outcome or an output of anything, you have to change the inputs. Uh, I mean, think about that in terms of uh, just physical health. I want to I get physically healthy. I want to, whether that's for health reasons or looks reasons or whatever, it's like, well, I know to do that. If that's the outcome I want, I want to lose some weight. I want to get healthy. I want to get in shape. I need to change some inputs. I'm going to need to change what I eat, what I put into my body, how I exercise, how I rest. Those things need to change to get a changed output. If I want the way I think, the way my mind operates, the way, like the thoughts that I go to, then what I'm putting into my mind needs to change as well. One of the primary inputs that we need as, as followers of Jesus or someone who's exploring faith or curious, one of the primary inputs that we need is actually scripture in our lives, meditating on that. And when that happens, something changes in our mind. There's a transformation that happens. And there's kind of some uh, big, there's some like some keys, there's some things that change, there's some things that we see that actually cause change in our mind. I want to look at an Old Testament passage in scripture that's going to kind of uh, draw this into attention for us. And so we're going to be um, in the book of Joshua, and then we're going we're to read a few verses, and we're going to draw some implications from that. Uh, so like I said, Joshua is found in the Old Testament. We, we call it, as if you're a Christian, we call it the Old Testament, but uh, really more accurately, um, it, it's what would be referred to as the Hebrew Bible or the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and, and whenever we engage the Old Testament, I always like to kind of give us a little bit of preface of, of how we should be doing that as followers of Jesus. Um, we are not under what's called the Old Covenant anymore. We're under the New Covenant. So the Old Covenant contained in the Old Testament was between God and the nation of Israel. It was for a specific people at a specific time at a specific place. We are now under the New Covenant between God and all people. And that, that, that happens through faith. 
um, through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and faith in Jesus. That's, how now, that's now how we relate to God. That's how we live and function and move in the world as people of Jesus, as followers of Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, the way that we engage with the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is we see it as its context. It's backstory. It's the story that brings us the Jesus story. It's the prequel, if you will. And it gives us um, kind of some inspiration and insights and all kinds of things, but we don't necessarily go to it for how, you know, how should I live my life? How should I apply this? We don't, we don't go something to like what we're going to read in Joshua the same way that we would go to like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But it is still important, and we do need to engage with it. Uh, but we need to do it kind of with the right lenses on, understanding it's an ancient people and a different culture and a different covenant that, that God was working within. With all that said, we're going to look at the book of Joshua. Um, and what's happening is we're about to pick this up, is the nation of Israel, they've been rescued out of slavery in Egypt. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they're about to enter into the promised land. And as that happens, leadership is about to change from Moses to Joshua. So let's pick up Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Uh, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And so Moses had been leading the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, They were only supposed to be on that journey for about a year, and then they were supposed to enter into the promised land. Uh, But they didn't trust God. They were afraid to go in. And so God says, okay, if you don't want to go in, fine, you'll wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. And so Moses is the one leading them, led them out of Egypt, leading them around um, in the wilderness for 40 years. But he is their leader, or he was their leader. So he's a really, really big deal. And so now this mantle is being passed on to Joshua. Huge, huge, huge shoes to fill. This is no small task. But he is responsible for leading people into the promise of God. I can imagine that would come with a little bit of pressure, kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly screw this up. And so the account continues. Uh, God continues speaking to Joshua and says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And so when when God says all the law here, he's referring to what we would call uh, the the Pentateuch. It's the first five books of our Bibles, uh, of the the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. So Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And to to the people of Israel who are about to enter into the promised land here, those are like the foundational uh, texts for who they are and, and, and how they operate in the world. It contained, um, you know, in the early parts of Genesis, like the origin story of what kind of world is this? Who is this God? Who are we as people? Why are we here? What's wrong with the world? Um, and it contains Israel's origins dating back to uh, the, the, the patriarchs, the, the, the kind of the founders of this family line. It contains the story of God's deliverance of them out of slavery, of him calling and saying, I'm your God, you're my people. And then it contained uh, the law, 
the law that was given that says, because I'm your God, because you are my people, here's how you are to live. And so God's instruction to Joshua is, don't lose sight of that. Make sure you, you, you obey everything that is in the law. Um, and if you do that, if you don't turn to the right or left, there's kind of this picture that it's a path that you're on. That the law of God puts you on a path, <coughs> excuse me, puts you on a path that you may be successful. Be successful in what, wherever you go, whatever you do. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it. There's an idea of meditation again. Again, it's not just reading. It's turning it over again and again and again and thinking through it and processing it as I go about my life. Keep the book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. There's this idea again of whenever, whenever the, 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 the scripture, the, the words of God, whenever they get into my mind, something happens. My, the input changes, and so the outputs of my life change as well. You'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. You'll be fruitful. Now, again, as modern Western people, we want to read that as being um, or material wealth or health or something like that. That's not what that means. It means you're on the right path of life. You're living life the way that God intends it. You're, you're experiencing kind of what we talked about last week with Jesus, that life to the fullest. There will be a fruit that is bared in your life. Um, you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. And then he kind of wraps up by saying, have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go wherever you go. I thought this account was so interesting as I was kind of thinking through it this week because when Joshua needs to be equipped for a monumental task in front of him, there's this huge thing in front of him. When he needs equipped for that, when he needs encouraged for that, when he needs um, like spurred on to do that, what he gets um, is a word from God. He, he gets an actual spoken word from God as God was more uh, would kind of intervene with Israel at this time and speak to them and his presence dwelt with them. But he he gets this spoken word from God. But even then, what's right at the center of this spoken word is a written word. It, it is the law of God. And I thought that was so crazy because um, Joshua had seen it all at this point. Uh, he was from the previous generation. He was So when, whenever uh, they came out of Egypt, whenever they wandered around in the wilderness, he was part of that generation that had to wander around. Um, he, he was there. He was one of the ones that was faithful, so he was able to enter into the promised land. But he was there in Egypt. He saw God's deliverance with his own eyes. He saw the miracles. He saw the signs and the wonders. He, saw, he was there when Moses came down from the mountain with the, with the law of God. He used to see how Moses' face would be glowing from being in God's presence. He was, he was there when he would see the pillar of, of cloud lead the, the, the camp in the day and the pillar of fire at night. He would see it descend upon the camp and on the tabernacle, the visible presence of God. Joshua was there and was part of getting up every day and seeing manna on the ground, uh, this bread-like substance that they would eat, uh, that God provided for them. He was there for all of it. He saw the signs. He saw the wonders. He saw the experiences. He saw the victories. He saw all of it. But all of his experiences with God did not replace his need to meditate on God's law and on his words. Like all of the experiences in the world and all the like I saw it with my own eyes and I was there and I felt it and I was part of it, 
None of that could replace what happens whenever he would meditate on the law of God. Because there, there's just, there's this thing that happens. There's something that happens when, when someone meditates on the written and spoken words of God. A transformation takes place. There's an input that comes into our lives that changes everything about our lives. There's a couple of things that, that we discover in this meditation on uh, the word of God that have the power to transform our minds. And I think we see them uh, in this encounter with um, this encounter with Joshua. The first thing is that when, whenever we're spending time in Scripture, we're, we're reading the words of God, we experience the purpose of God in our lives, or we hear the purpose of God. God. Joshua uh, gets purpose whenever he hears from God. God tells him, you will lead these people. This is the purpose that I have for you in this moment, in this season. You will lead these people. And all throughout scripture, we see accounts and stories of people who hear from God for a purpose that he has for them. From Moses to Noah to David to Nehemiah, Jonah, Paul, the disciples, like on and on. Like they, they hear from God, here is the purpose. And we have those accounts and uh, those accounts, those words that God gave them um, still speak to us and call us today. That when we spend time in scripture, it has the power to speak God's purpose into our lives. And when we have God's purpose in our lives, that transforms our minds and how we think and how we live. And purpose isn't just like this big kind, because sometimes we think, what's God's purpose in my life? And we think like, what career am I supposed to have? What's this big, massive thing that I need to do? Sometimes it's that, but more often than not, it's the purpose in the day-to-day stuff. It's the purpose and the direction of God's purpose in your life uh, is to be continually transformed, to be sanctified, to be made holy and set apart. God's purpose in your life is for you to live, if you're a follower of Jesus, for you to live like you are a citizen of heaven because you are. His purpose is for you to be generous. His purpose is for you to think of others above yourself. His purpose is for you to love your enemy. Like those are the kind of like, that's, that's the purpose of God in your life, to live like a person who is a Jesus follower. And when I encounter that, that changes how I think and how I live. Time in scripture reveals God's purpose in our life. It also reveals God's promises in our life. Right at the heart of that encounter that we just read in Joshua, right at the heart is meditate on the book of the law. And if you do that, if you meditate on it, if you obey it, you will be prosperous and successful. That is a promise that God gives to Joshua. And scripture is full of God's promises to his people. God's promises to his people. The whole thing is one big promise of what God is going to do and his love for this world and, uh, and, and this idea of, of relationship with him. But within that giant promise, there's all these smaller promises of God being a promise maker and a promise keeper to his people. And those promises uh, weren't just for people in the past, they're for us as well. Now, I do want to say, we got to be careful there because Looking at the promises of God that God gives in Scripture requires looking at context. Because again, some of these are for a specific people at a specific time in a specific place. We can't just rip any um, promise out of context and say, yep, that's mine, I'm claiming it. That gets us into some really weird, iffy ground. There's some kind of strange branches of Christianity that work into that kind of name it and claim it, prosperity, gospel. Um, And that's really not a good way to read Scripture. 
uh, we have to remember, again, context is so, so important. I think one of the best examples of this is Jeremiah 29, 11. Like this, this is always the one I think of. It's, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to, 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 to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we like plaster that sucker on coffee mugs and t-shirts and stuff. It's like, I'm claiming that promise. It's like, well, hold up. What was the context of it? That was a promise given to um, the nation of Israel in exile. They were in exile in Babylon, and it was bad. It was, a, it was not a good time in their history, and it seemed like everything was lost and everything was falling apart. And God's like, yeah, you're going to be in exile for like 70 years. But then he says, but I know the plans I have for you. There, there's plans for a hope in a future. Uh, and so the idea was, I'm not done with you yet. This isn't the end of your story. And so on one hand, I was like, what's the context of that promise? I can't claim the original context and just slap Jeremiah 29, 11 onto anything. And be like, I know the plans I have for you. Woo, I'm going to be rich this year. That's God's purpose for my life. Probably not. But the broader implication of that, no matter where you're at, no matter what season you're in, it's not the end. God's not done with you. Now that's a promise. That's true. And so there's these promises that are universal, promises that are universal throughout Scripture, like the promise of, of the defeat of sin and evil, the promise of the fact that the kingdom of God has come. It is here, it is now, and it is also coming. The promise of eternal life, the promises uh, that we read that God, he, he, man, he is with us, he loves us, he cares about us, he hears us when we pray, he sees us, he wants good for us, and that we do not need to fear no matter what we find ourselves in. Now, those are promises that you can hold onto. And when we meditate on Scripture, when that becomes our input, we hear those promises of God louder and louder and louder, and the craziness of the world around us gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And in that, there's peace, and there's hope, and there's direction. Uh, and so if you want to experience those promises in your life and have that transforming power in your life, we got to do what, what God instructed Joshua to do. Meditate on it. Think about it. Fill yourself up with it. We discover God's purposes when we're meditating um, on Scripture. We discover His promises. And finally, we, encounter, we just encounter His presence. We encounter His presence. Uh, God told Joshua, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because I'm with you wherever you go. Like there, there is nowhere you can go. There is no season of life you can find yourself in. There is no circumstance like where, where you can be that, that I am not with you. I will be with you wherever you go. Now, that's, that's a promise and also about the presence of God. And when we are meditating on Scripture, we're reminded of that promise and we experience the presence, the real, tangible presence of God in our lives. That's the power um, that, that meditating on Scripture has when it's a regular part of your life, that, that you encounter and experience the purposes of God in your life, the, the promises of God in your life, the presence of God in your life. And those are the kind of things, when that is the input into my mind, my mind is changed in the way that I live changes. When my inputs change, my outputs also change as well. And so... As we kind of, we're going to wrap this thing up, but I want to, I want you to think on this for a second, okay? What are your inputs right now? As it relates to your mind, the way that you think, again, it doesn't even have to be like the intentional thoughts. It's just like when you let your mind wander, where does it go? Uh, when, whenever, whenever you're in uh, interaction with someone, like, or you see someone or a certain situation, relationship, a, a, um, a circumstance comes up, whatever it is, what's your default thought or response, like just, as, you're just, as you're just going through your day, if you, if you were on autopilot, where are your thoughts at? What is shaping and informing how you think? 
Some of those things need to be increased. Some of those things need to be decreased. What's shaping your thoughts? I mean, is it, is it the media that you consume? The podcasts you listen to, the books, uh, TV shows, movies, music, like is that shaping how you think? Is it social media and the echo chamber that you find yourself in there where you're being shaped by you know, potentially just nothing but progressive ideology, nothing but conservative ideology, just regurgitating talking points, not thinking for yourself? Is that what's shaping your thoughts? Is it maybe put some relationships? Because sometimes certain people shape our thoughts majorly. And it may not be that they're a bad person, but man, they're just not good for how you think. You know, it's like, yeah, after I spent time with that person, my thoughts are not in a good place. So like just, I mean, just take a second to evaluate what are the inputs in your life and how are they shaping your thoughts? And how can I change those inputs? If you want to change your input, or your, your thoughts, your mind, you want a new beginning, you got to change what's going in. You got to renew your mind. Don't be conformed to the, to the patterns of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the primary ways that we do that as followers of Jesus is through scripture. So that, that's my challenge to you. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to start engaging with scripture on a daily basis. You don't have to start off huge, okay? You don't have to be like, I'm going to read, you know, a, a book of the Bible a day. Like, I wouldn't do that because you're going to get discouraged. Spend five minutes, 10 minutes a day. Find a good uh, reading plan. Download a Bible app. Find someone to go through a plan with you. Read it with someone else. But just find five, 10 minutes a day to start with. And then you can work up from there to get the input of Scripture into your mind. If you're a follower of Jesus, man, this really is required of us because we, we, we need to know the ways of God. But if you're someone who's not, if you're just curious, if you're like, you kind of stumbled upon this and you're like, I don't know that I believe all that, why don't you give it a shot? I would encourage you just to try it for like, I don't know, like a month. Just try it for a month. Read some scripture every day. And I would start with like maybe one of the gospels, some of the teachings of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and see what happens. You, you don't actually, this is crazy, you know, you don't actually have to believe the Bible to, to read it, and it can still make a difference in your life. So if you're still skeptical of the whole faith thing, I understand that, but I would encourage you to start there. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, let's do this. Let's figure out, again, remember the promise on the end of that verse in Romans, that don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to know what God's will is. I'll know how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Let's step into that. If we want a new beginning, we need new minds, and that begins with changing our input and getting more scripture into our lives.